Welcome to XIV Light Party, everybody. It is Endwalker's Eve, and uh, I am rubbish at my job. Thank you very much. I'll uh, see myself out. Uh? So, did 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 someone just agree? I think someone agreed. So I think I think you agreed. Maybe you should take my job. You can have it. It's fine. It's not like my feelings are hurt. Anyway, moving swiftly on. Um, yeah, for technicalities. It's the day that the game isn't up. That that everything, <laughs> everything goes to hell. Everything. Moon's haunted. And so is the podcast. But yes, hello everybody. I have had almost zero hours of sleep. So welcome to Endwalker's Eve when everything goes crazy. The moon is haunted. Cats and dogs are playing together in the street. And yeah. It's it's just craziness. Great googly moogly. Everything's gone to shit. <laughs> it has indeed. Okay, so today, everybody, technical difficulties aside, we can now get on with it. We have a special guest. It is indeed Jahara Jade, cosplay whiz, excellent streamer, all around good bean. So yeah, let's uh, let's let's get into it a little bit because uh, cosplay is a. Uh, I'd say it's kind of an integral part of FanFest because you have the big competition. Uh, Jahara, I don't know if you've ever like decided to put up for one of the competitions or anything, but it is a big part of uh, the XIV community because everybody gets together, they make their accessories, they buy costumes. It's it's pretty good. No, I've never actually been to one. Um, I've only started playing 14 like this year and I haven't been cosplaying that long either. So I'd have to see when the next opportunity arises. That sounds good to me. We look forward to seeing what you come up with. So uh, let's get into question and discussion time so that we are not in your hair over long. So who wants to start? Like, because I, I introed this thing and <laughs> you guys threw me under the bus and then we had technical difficulties and I want to go cry in a corner. Somebody else take the first question. Thank you very much. Uh, so I'll take one of the first questions. So you said that you just recently started playing 14 and it was this past summer around June, correct? I actually started playing 14 in March of this okay, year. March. And I think it was like, I saw that you started uh, streaming 14, like around the summer. No, I started streaming 14 specifically in March. So I've been <laughs> streaming overall since August of last year, but I've been playing since like the end of March-ish. I know because I went on to check how many hours I'd been streaming it. And it's like, I, last time I checked, it was like 600 but it's been a while since i checked so okay yeah because i had like caught some of the videos that you had on youtube and one of the things that like i really loved is that you're really positive and you just have like a lot of energy and you kind of encourage that throughout like all of your watchers so as somebody who is um somewhat new how have you found everything as far as like kind of new-ish i guess content creator I mean, I love it. I was super, like, it's ironic because I was super resilient against playing 14. I really didn't want to play. I had negative amounts of interest and I had developed kind of negative opinions on it without any basis for it. So I really was pushed into playing it. And even the first maybe couple of days, I was like looking for something not to like. <laughs> It was trendy to bash 14 for a bit. It was. So I can, I totally understand why you would have felt that way. I mean, we were the redheaded stepchild for a bit in the MMOC. <laughs> we don't want to talk about those 1.0 days. <laughs> the thing is, I'd never actually played an MMO. So it was, I actually think my impression of 14 wasn't really surrounding 14 itself, but more on like League of Legends and WoW, not to jump on them. But like my general impression was that like people that play MMOs are very, very serious players. And you have to play in like teams, like the, I didn't know anything about it, but essentially dungeons, right? Dungeon runs and trials and things like that. And if I was needing to learn, 
I was going to run into players that were going to be frustrated with me and yell at me and be angry with me because I wasn't able to keep up. So because of that impression for overall MMOs, I was like, I can't play Final Fantasy XIV. Like, I can't play MMOs. Also, when I was in college a few years ago, actually quite a while back, I played WoW for one day. And I logged in and I was like running around like killing spiders or whatever. And like a bunch of like really high level players came into like the new area and like killed all of like the new players, like just for fun. Like they just kept killing us. And I was like, what's going on? And then like I ran into someone and they helped me out. And then they were like, do you want to be my girlfriend? And I was like, oh, is that like a thing where like we're partners and we like get to like hang out and like do quests together? And they're like, no, like in real life. And I was like, uninstall. I can't. (laughs) That that is a lot. I was like, no. (laughs) So people were like, you should try 14. And I was like, no, I don't think MMOs are for me. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, y- again, yeah, not to jump on any specific games, but yeah, I- I've had those experiences and it's kind of like one of those things like if I wasn't already at my computer, I would be physically running away screaming right now. <laughs> right? Um, yeah. Plus it was like on a laptop when I downloaded it. So it was choppy. So like I just had like, I used that as my impression. I was like, I'm okay. I'm fine. But when I finally started it, I transitioned to a keyboard and mouse pretty quickly because I didn't really like using my my controller and after a while I just really fell in love with the game and it makes sense when I really like lay it all out because like I love RPGs so I love story I love being able to dress up my characters I love being able to make and decorate my houses I love role play and like really like Final Fantasy is all of those things you know like crafting it just has every single thing for me it was just like the sims and animal crossing and any other rpg all like wrapped up into one thing that in a way never ends which is really fantastic it's like a book that i don't ever have to worry about the ending coming up it's not for a while well if you are into role play then you are amongst Good people, because <laughs> uh, yeah, fourteen definitely has a thriving role play community, um, and we could talk more about that here in a bit. But you know, one of the things that you must mentioned was dressing up your characters, and one of the things that you're also really well known for, especially on Twitter, is all of your really fantastic cosplay outfits. And holy crap, like they're amazing! <laughs> I like the <laughs> one. I'm still like I love House Man Castle, so I think that was like one of the first ones I oh, showed. Oh yeah, the Sophie. Like, Look, it's it's Sophie. <laughs> the Sophie is perfection. I think the other one, the the other one, you did all of the Sailor Scouts, and I was just like, that oh my incredible. god. Yeah, I'm almost done. I still have uh, Venus and Sailor Moon oh, to my do. Goodness. So. So uh, in that respect, you know, your love of cosplay, like where did that actually start? Gosh, um, I suppose like in several places, I've actually only been cosplaying officially since October of last year. And I started it because I started streaming on Twitch and we were playing Breath of the Wild and we were like gaining followers pretty quickly. And we were close to getting like 300 within the first month of streaming within 30 days. And I was like, if we can get 300 followers in 30 days, I'll like do a cosplay. And everyone was like, sounds good. But I was like, what should I do? And we were playing Breath of the Wild at the time. And I was like, what about Princess Zelda from this game? And so I started it then. And then I participated in a Halloween contest for my friend's charity with that costume. And I won. Um, alongside another really awesome um, contestant who did the Joker. And it was just so much fun. And I started just like 
doing stuff from there and even like looking at my stuff from a year ago like I cringe like I cringe and I cry like I had no idea what I was doing um I would really didn't do a lot of makeup or or wigs or anything at the time but like you can grow so quickly before that I'd been to a couple comic cons or cons when I was in college which is like 10 years ago (laughs) and I went dressed up as Yoruichi and for one of them and Valletta New from Code Geass for another one. And again, I remember like, I think my wig was like literally like halfway off of my head and not even brushed like when I went, but it was so much fun. But I never even took any photos of that. So I have like no actual evidence <laughs> that ever happened. So yeah, I really only started like consistently cosplaying last year, basically on a bet. <laughs> you, wow. Yeah. I mean, you're incredible at it. So like, I'd say it's something that you definitely picked up very quickly. Thank you. It's fun. It was so much fun. It was just like, wow, I can like change like everything about myself, like skin tone aside and like contacts and hair. And it's it's fun. It feels like um, it's like my favorite way as like an homage to my favorite characters rather than like buying merch and stuff. Like I like being able to dress up as them and like be them for a little bit. It's so much fun for me. That's a really cool way of thinking about it. It's like uh, as an homage rather than just spending your money on a figurine or whatever. It's just like, well, let me step into your shoes for a bit. Yeah. Like people say like cosplay is like super expensive. And like, I'm not going to say that it's not like you can make a lot of stuff yourself and do like a lot of budget cosplay. But like people spend just as much on T-shirts and figurines and posters of their favorite characters. And it's just like, well, I can just like dress like them. Totally guilty of that. (laughs) So it's like, it's really, it just depends on like where you want to put your money. And like, I'm not saying I don't do both because I still buy t-shirts and like posters, but like I mostly spend it on like taking pictures of myself, like as the character and like the contacts and the hair. And like, that's a real fun way for me. I really enjoy it. Plus I can see that other people get to enjoy it as well. And I think once I realized that I was like, well, this is even better. Like we can all enjoy this together. It's really cool. Actually, lead that. What you said about hey, uh, my my older costumes were a little bit cringy. That uh, does lead neatly into the next question that we have. In every example that you've put, at least I think you're pre to perfection. Um, but what's been your most challenging out of all of them? Like, what is the toughest of your terrific transformations so far, and why? Gosh, I can think of a couple. I would probably say that my most difficult one was my Warrior of Light cosplay. My, my OC character that I did, um, because that one I did, I don't want to say from scratch because I didn't make the pieces, but I searched for them all and put them together to create the outfit from 14, as well as I purchased the horns from a beautiful, lovely seller on Etsy. And but they were still really hard to wear and like the wig around it. Like there was a it was a lot of stuff and it was really constricting. And like I felt like I was going to pass out. Like I was like, if I wore this to a con, I don't know if I could do it all day. Um, Also, I really struggle with short wig styling and short wig styling over Aura horns was a particularly frustrating challenge. Oh, God. Yeah, it sounds like it. I, I thought it looked flawless, but like thinking about it, yeah, the facial scales as well, that had to be weird to, to wear for any amount of time. I don't think I could have done that. Yeah, they, they sit over your ears. So first, I, you can't hear as well. So they cover your ears entirely. And then I had to, the scales kind of like sit along the chin. But then if you want them to stick, you have to use glue, facial glue, prosthetic glue to glue them along your face. And I could only manage certain facial expressions because if my face moved up too much, it would, I, I would sometimes it would peel off. 
and just create like it was just messy it was like a lot of like so my facial expressions were very composed which was fine because it really matched the like resting bee face that aura tend to have anyway (laughs) (laughs) if you wanted to know whether aura shed their scales there it is right there (laughs) so yeah it was really hard all of it together but I mean, I was also wearing like a, a cinch belt that was around me twice to keep the um, tail on under a corset that was also cinched all the way. So like it was like Victorian levels of no breathing, like ribcage. <laughs> so in summary, cosplaying isn't for comfort. Not always. No, I have a couple that I find to be like super comfy. Sophie being by far and away my most comfortable cosplay, like that dress is like I could just wear it and like. I don't know, clean the house. I actually have a really old TikTok where I pretended to be Sophie and I came into my own dirty house like I was walking into House Castle and then I looked really disgusted and then there was like a, I did like a montage of me cleaning the house like Sophie did and oh then at the goodness. end, it's like, I'm proud of it but also like I cringe to think about how proud of it I was at the time. I'm gonna go look that up. That sounds that I sounds really great. want to see that. It's yeah. so old. Yeah. I filmed it on like my, like my old iPhone but it's and like I like put like rain effects to like show that I was coming in from the rain outside. <laughs> <laughs> creativity like, is creativity, it. man. And I actually got a clean house out of it. I was like, yay, cleaning and cosplay at the same time. I'm so <laughs> clever. <laughs> this awesome. is content creation efficiency right here at its finest. <laughs> I was going to say, how many cosplayers actually feel like they clean their house after they make a costume, let alone actually <laughs> clean it while in costume? <laughs> I actually do a lot in costume because I have a four-year-old, so she's used to me just, like, getting dressed, taking photos, and then just, like, walking around the house as a Power Ranger, like, just doing dishes or, like, cleaning. And she's just like, I like that outfit, Mom. And I'm like, thank you, sweetheart. Here's your dinner. (laughs) That's awesome. Oh, my goodness. So she must – how does she feel about all the cosplay? (laughs) She's only four, and I've been cosplaying since she was three, really. So, like, I don't think she really knows that it's, like, different. Um, I think she just thinks that's like just something that people do. Like, I feel like <laughs> at some age she's going to like be at school and be like, "What do you mean your mom doesn't have different color eyes and different color hair every day? Like, what does she do then?" Yeah, like every day she'd be like, "Oh, I like that hair." Like, she's just used to the fact that I have different hair almost daily, and it's just fine for her. Or like, oh, I like your eyes today. Like, so I'm like, I wonder if she knows this is not normal. Probably not. It's fine. She'll figure it out eventually. I mean, kids and dress up. Yeah. I know at least when I was very, very small, like, it, I mean, if I saw like my mom wandering around in a costume and I'm just kind of like, well, I do that too. She's just doing <laughs> the grown up version of whatever the hell it is that I do. Mm-hmm. And she's doing it probably a lot better than I am. <laughs> See, now I'm imagining, like, you know, whenever you take your daughter for her first day of school, you go in and taking her in the Pink Ranger costume, and that would be awesome. <laughs> you know, I also do have a TikTok of picking her up dressed up as Zelda from school. <gasps> awesome. Because I, I ran out of time to change back into my clothes. So I was in, like, the wig and, like, the elf ears and the whole outfit. And I decided to take a TikTok because it was, like, really, it was early on in the year, and I had so much anxiety about it because I'd never gone, like, out in public in costume before. And it was totally fine. Um, I'm sure the kids thought it was cool. And the other parents were just like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're <laughs> uh, like, yeah, cool. And I'm like, it's fine. You don't have to twist your head thinking about what I'm doing. Don't worry about it. 
Because cosplay is still kind of a niche thing, isn't it? Like It is. It's more mainstream than it used to be, but it's definitely still like a little niche. Yeah, I feel like they kind of just tried, I think they were like, oh, like, is it like a kid's birthday party thing? Like a Disney princess thing? And I was just like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We'll go with that. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever you need to like make it like relatable. Like, yeah, it's like dressing up like a Disney princess, but like a different type of character. Yeah, sure. (laughs) <laughs> I've actually related to that because I did one as a 10th doctor at one of the children's hospitals in my state. So. That's lovely. Also 10th doctor, good doctor. 10th doctor, mm-hmm. best doctor. <laughs> I've lost will... track of all of them. <laughs> which I one mean, is which? That's David Tennant. Okay, yeah, yeah, the good yeah. doctor then. <laughs> with, with the sand shoes, yep. The sand shoes. Yep. He is the best. I, I, I want him to come back. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> I was going to say, unfortunately, this isn't a Dr. Reed podcast. Otherwise, I'd go off on a tangent um, as far as who I want to be the next doctor. But <clears throat> moving on, lots of people have favorite NPCs in Final Fantasy XIV. Oh, so not so favorite NPCs, Minifilia for Anki. Sorry. <laughs> and we mm. know that you. I'm sorry, I had to. And we know you've already cosplayed as your warrior of light, Yoru. So for this next question, we want to know which Final Fantasy XIV NPC would you like to cosplay as in a heartbeat? And the NPC you would kick to the costume curb and why? Grahatia. Grahatia, I'm going to cosplay him. My community already put forth the funds for me to do that, but this is a more complex cosplay to put together. And I have to get things from like overseas to make it work. So I'm going to be cosplaying a, a femme version of Grahatia, which really only means I'm taking his little rat tail in the back and making it a full braid. Now, is this <laughs> like Grahatia or Crystal Exart Grahatia? Yeah, that's my question. 5.3 Grahatia. Okay. All right. Five, that's cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 5.3 that Grahatia. Really although it looks really nice. Although I would be interested in doing Crystal Exarch, but I am like a perfectionist. I'm not exactly sure how I would go about doing the crystallized portions. And until I can do figure out a way to do that in a way that like satisfies me, I won't go anywhere near it. I think that's one of the reasons that, as you said, and I appreciate that my cosplays look good. And people are like, how can you never do any cosplays that like don't look great? And I'm like, because if I don't think I can do it, I won't do it. <laughs> so until I'm sure that I can get it right, you're not going to see it on me. As far as one that I would kick to the curb, Estinian. Really? Would, He's yeah. stinky. I would never do Estinian for a couple reasons. One, and I say this with the most love because I do call him Bestinian and I love him very much. But his hair is so terrible. And <laughs> like, I would never put that hair on me. Like, it's like the most like boy band, like front in a, in a band, but like white sort of like no part wig I've ever seen. Now that you've said so it, I, I don't like very Hanson. Hanson Brothers, isn't it? <laughs> it does, yeah. No, I every time I see them, now. I was thinking, like, yeah, when you mentioned it, I was like, yeah, it does look like he hasn't washed it in a decade or so. <laughs> they say he doesn't bathe, so. Yeah, so I'm like, I don't like his hair. He could use a haircut. Lovely face. Personality depends on what you like. But <laughs> if I was going to do him, I would want to do him in his armor. And I do not have this. I can't even imagine the absolute, yeah, like, mental complicated yeah yeah like the mental like i would just break (laughs) down like having even like every small piece of dragoon armor is so pointy and detailed i just don't think i could ever do it so 
just from my experience of trying to make some Dragoon, I'm not going to say which set, the actual movability in some of that armor is like total fantasy. <laughs> hmm. I can imagine. I can imagine. Like I'm currently making the shoulders for uh, Twilight Princess Zelda, her armor. Mm-hmm. And like even just like armor on your shoulders, you're like, this actually like is not realistic. <laughs> like you can't put your hands up. Like yep. if you have armor, like those shoulder pieces, you're like, you can't actually move your hands like above your waist when you're wearing stuff like that. So I can't imagine like a full set like suit of armor. So, 3D models giving us unrealistic ob- um, uh, <laughs> expectations about uh, armor sticking to us when we move around. We are not 3D models, apparently, and it doesn't work that way. That makes right? me sad. <laughs> I mean, I'm actually tempted to try some of what Marvel's done for their Avenger costumes, where like a plate of armor covers up the actual points. So you actually wear a vest, and then the rest of it's kind of just clipped in. Tempted, but I don't mm-hmm. know how well that will actually work out with armor plates heavy so i have a cosplay challenge for you then it's not actually strictly final fantasy 14 it's final fantasy and it's like one of my favorite characters but have you played final fantasy 9 no actually 14 and like maybe like a quarter of 15 is all i've played in the final fantasy uh genre okay so like i love like like strong female characters especially and one of my favorite of all time is uh general beatrix from final fantasy 9 and if you ever get the opportunity to check her out she's just like an awesome character my waifu she's amazing she's a badass looking her up and she's gorgeous too as far as like a character um yeah she has I don't know, was she like a paladin, I guess? Or like, I don't know, paladin slash dark knight? I can't remember. She had like this weander. Mm, she's cool. I'm like trying to find like a, yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you ever like get the chance, play knight. It's like, it's my favorite uh, console title as far as in Final Fantasy. And that character is incredible, like has a really complex story. And like they were announcing the new jobs at FanFest. I was like, I had my like, Fingers crossed. I was hoping for Temple Knight so badly because that's kind of like what Beatrix was. And I'm like, I want to play Beatrix. (laughs) But we got Angry Farmer instead, and that's okay. (laughs) It's fine. Everything's fine. (laughs) It's fine. Next time, maybe. So setting aside cosplay for a moment, but not straying too far from the topic, Glamour, as we all know, is the true end game. So when a new expansion drops, people formulate new glams. But as someone who has expansive glam repertoire already, especially IRL, what outfit combo from Final Fantasy XIV would you run Praetorium 10 times to obtain? It doesn't have to drop in Praetorium. Um, You know what's sad? There's only like one set of armor that... I would like to have like really badly that because I actually don't know that much about glam yet because like I have quite a lot of it, but I'm still like learning the names. But I really would like if they like told me to run Praetorium 10 times and I could get a female version of Hien's outfit, I would do that. Yes, I would do that. I was devastated that Hien's outfit is gender locked because I just feel like it's just such like it's a cool outfit. I was just like, I could just girl boss as close to the sun as I wanted in this outfit. Yeah. I really like it. And I feel like it would look good, especially like slim, but rather curvy, if I say so myself. Aura. <laughs> and it would look so cool. <laughs> and I would, even though Praetorium 10 times though. Oh God. Okay. That's a steep price. I put that in the script because of the Inferno jacket and the fact that you had to like, if 
the quickest way, at least I found, was to run Praetorium 10 times because you get 10 time stones per, but you have to watch all the cutscenes in Praetorium, which is the bad part. You don't yeah. have to watch the cutscenes. You get dual monitors and you put Netflix on the other screen. <laughs> that is- yeah, that's, that's, honestly, that's how I... <laughs> I really so don't want to talk about how I came across my jack because that just seems like overkill. Oh yeah, T2 500 million was- times. Yes. <laughs> yeah, T2 with Blue Mage. Oh yeah, I went from the end of my raid, which was two and a half hours before server went down last night, to two hours before server went down, obtaining the jacket. I got mine probably a couple weeks ago, because I just, as soon as it came out, I was like, I know myself, I am going to procrastinate unless I do it right now. <laughs> so I just wait. Early bird. And I did, well, <laughs> I went, I did PvP, so I'm not sure Praetorium would have been better, <laughs> probably. <laughs> that was that was a trip. Um, so you mentioned role play earlier. Have you encountered like the role play community in fourteen much so far? You know, I haven't. Only like a little bit, and I don't even know if that would really count. Like, so I can think of like, and every time I run into someone, like that memory like sticks in my head so much, which is why like I want to participate. Like one time, I ran into this character. So I just like I literally like was aghast because I was like somewhere in. Shadowbringers area and like the area where like the the market town is in the desert when you mm-hmm. first go and just like Rionje was just there and I was like what what I was like how like I was streaming too and I was like what is what because I think I was doing like the Eden raids right so I was like mm-hmm. with Gaia oh, yeah. and Reen and I just like saw Rionje and I was like what is why would he be here in the quest he's not in the quest he's moving who is that and I like followed them and I was like straight up <laughs> amazed because I was like, how is Orange walking around? Uh, and they were like, oh, if you look closely, like part of the outfit is silver instead of gold. So like if you notice, like that's not him. And I was like, how did they do that? How did they freaking do that? And they're like, yeah, that's like role players. Like they're role players that are like dressed up as the characters. And my friend was like, don't you let Graha? She was like, if you want, I can like take you to the community and we can like get some photos with like a Graha Tia impersonator. And I was like, pardon me? Like what? Oh yeah, it's a big thing. Cool. And another time was when I was in that same place, and someone just appeared next to me that literally looked like just like Tesslene, and their name was like Tesslene something. And then they just like handed me like ninety nine eggs. What? (laughs) Okay. And then like left. I was so confused, but I was like, (laughs) what? Well, there you have it, guys. Proof that we are not all running brothels on Balmung. (laughs) Brothels <laughs> do exist <laughs> out in the real world. <laughs> I was like, what? And then I think another time was there was a Lalafell that was dressed uncannily like the, gen- what is it? Kentucky Fried Chicken. Like the guy who owns yep. Kentucky Fried oh, the Chicken. Colonel. The Colonel. And like his name was like Colonel. And he was like dressed in white and he had like the beard and he looked just like him. He had like a monocle. And then I met him and he like gave me some eggs and some chicken. And then, like, left. And he flew away on a chicken. I was aghast. <laughs> I was like, what is this? And people are just like, you have no idea. Oh, you, uh, you have no idea. <laughs> the creative fuckery that goes on is, uh, it's up there. It really is. But, like, that sounds so cool. And also, like, I'm a totally wholesome person and everything like that. But, like, I was like, I'm sorry, did you say brothels? Like, who's there? I'm, cu- I'm curious. Where do we go? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that I was. I was being mostly. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was being mostly facetious because, like, there was a run of articles. You may, you might have heard one or two of them. Like, uh, 
people basically bashing the game saying, oh, there's really nothing to this game other than people like role playing in brothels and breaking terms of service because they're exchanging money and it's a bunch of lonely nerds all on Balmung. And I was just like, hey, as a resident of Balmung, <laughs> I resent that. I hate it. Get away <laughs> from me with that terrible take. That is trash. We're not lonely nerds. We're all hanging out together. What do you mean? Exactly. Mm. <laughs> uh, it's an MMO for a reason. Yeah. No, um, that's that's really interesting. I we uh, I know some of the people who, like, they'll be canon role players is what they, they're called as far as the people who actually RP Ariane J and some of those other ones. There's actually one on Balmung who does the Sultana and has a friend who does Pippin, and they're adorable. It's the best thing ever. <laughs> That's so cool. Ugh, that's so amazing. And yeah, well, we have actually like an annual event that we do every year around Lady, Little Ladies Day in Ulda, and they come and they'll be at the event, so it's really nifty. So, alrighty, Inky, you get the next question. It's the last one, isn't it? I didn't do any more because apparently I'm lazy with script writing and absolutely terrible. Oh, that's okay. I'll do off-the-cuff questions. This is I'll pull my ass out of the fire. <laughs> Enki, I was going to say, after last podcast, you should know that uh, we can always wing things. No. <laughs> In the spirit of winging things, because y'all had me talking about glamour, I just happened to pull up Eorzea collection. And I was like, I want to like give a specific answer to that question. <laughs> so the Colosseum Galeris, I just found like an amazing Sin Eater glam that I would 100% run Praetorium 10 times to achieve the entire thing. I think actually um, you have to do PvP for that one. If I'm gonna, if I, it's what I think it is. Oh, the and you know what? That's even Zemmer? worse for me. Worse. <laughs> I think the Colosseum Galeris is a Zemile. It's Zemile Dark Cold. Oh, is it? Mm. Yeah. yeah, you can just if you're a maximum eye level, you can just go in unsynced and uh, spam that for the thing anyway. I uh, see. I don't know the names of it either. Like she said, Colosseum Galeris, and I was thinking like the Toga from PvP. There's a toga. Oh. Gosh, there, there's a toga. <laughs> Check out the PvP rules. There's some really nice gear in there. To some really great glams. You have to do PvP, but that stuff is really good looking. It's very Grecian or Greco-Roman, technically. Yes, I have to do PvP for towels, which is really interesting. So cool. There's a lot of amazing glam, but I find that I tend to lean towards glam that is covers my character not a lot <laughs> because I really love exhibiting her scales. I just really like her Zayla scales. And so the more you can see them, the better. So I tend to like things that show that sort of thing off. But there's just so much to look at. Like, honestly, like the the glam in this game could be a whole game in and of itself. Like, you I don't... agree. Yeah. <laughs> like, just like these are the outfits and these are the things you need to achieve to do to like find these outfits and the dies for them. And like, I would literally play that whole game if they were like, we've, make it, we've made it a separate game. I'd be like, we're doing it. I'm doing it. I mean, that kind of is, in a way, fashion I mean, report. like, yeah, like, well, there is <laughs> a fashion report, so it is actually a, a mini game. But I was going to say, as far as like, you know, it is, people say that glam is the true end game. And in a lot of ways, that's really true. Because, you know, a lot of the reasons why people run the raids, I want this glam item, I ran, I don't know how many times, uh, what was it, the second leg of the Ivalice raid, even though it was a pain in the butt, because I had to have Balthier's top. Because Balthier yes. is the leading man, and I needed that top. <laughs> mm -hmm. Fair enough. 
<laughs> so, uh, but yeah, like so many people will run stuff and do things um, and try things that they would have never tried just for the glam. So I think that's one thing that I can say that as far as the devs, they've really known, they've figured out how to incentivize people. <laughs> yeah, there was a top I ran, never eat like, I don't know how many times for, I think it was 50 times before it dropped. I'm a sh- <laughs> I look, then they released a diable version in Stormblood, and I was like, I hate everything. Just, just <laughs> let it me must die. Be a thing. Oh, it wasn't the Sky Pirate it. one. It's oh, like pirate. a Chaucible. Oh, okay. Uh, every time I think about the Sky Pirate, I get upset. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Square Enix, I love I love their aesthetic, I love their style, but every once in a while they'll release a, an item that I get really attached to. But the problem is, is if you die it, it dies the entire piece instead of you know uh, yeah. a certain mm, focus. Yeah. And I'm like, please just die the cloth. <laughs> and this piece that I really like, it dies the cloth and the metal. And I'm like, what? No. And <laughs> so they ended up adding a, what was it, like a, a recolor of that same piece in a different dungeon. And I got excited. I was like, oh, cool. Hey, they brought it back. But on that piece, the recolor, it doesn't dye the metal. But it's only available for bards and mockingists and dancers. Oh, and I was like, no. oh, come on. <laughs> so, this is why you become an Omni 80. Right? <laughs> it's not because you actually care about Black Mage. It's because you like, I want the pieces. I want to wear the outfits. Like, seriously, yeah. I was, like, looking through some of his stuff, and I'm just like, oh, can only this class wear it? I guess, like, a level one. <laughs> like, yeah. I've gotten attached to crafter, some crafter outfits of actually, hey, I want to wear this. And it's like, oh, I can't. I have to be a leather worker, an alchemist. And I'm like, well, the I'll weaver that, coat. But... <laughs> <laughs> the weaver coat. That is some that's, dapper. That's really nice yeah, that's really dapper. I completely lost my train of thought. But yeah, no, what we need is actually the dying system from Guild Wars 2 where you have specific dyes. Oh, yes. oh, I miss that. That would be great. <laughs> that would be great because sometimes I get really frustrated because you go to dye something and even if it doesn't dye the metal, like the you can't change the metal from like silver to gold for some pieces. So like you don't want to combine them because you want to add it to something, but like the metal on one is silver and the metal on the other is gold and you're like, that doesn't work, please. And sometimes the texture of like any given object will make the dye like off, like the color will be off by yeah. like, just like a tiny bit, and then it doesn't match with the rest of your outfit. And I'm just pulling my hair out, like, no, this is the same dye I use for everything else. Why aren't you the same color? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd say so, like the Inferno jacket. I love the Inferno jacket. I just am very sad that we can't actually dye the emblem on the back. I want it to be blue. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be nice. So. Cosplaying can be really, really daunting to fresh places looking to take their first steps into the scene like myself. Like I've always wanted to try cosplaying, but I've always been really scared to. So whether that be down to body confidence or the worry that their cosplay won't be good enough, what advice would you give to somebody who's finding it hard to break through that barrier? So what what would you do to help coach me into uh, doing the cosplay? Buy a cosplay off Amazon. Um, because... For, it's like super low. I feel like one of the biggest barriers is like, is it going to fit? And like, will it look good? And like the cost of entry. And on Amazon, I would give you like a recommendation for a company that I work with on Amazon that is like my favorite. And their stuff is like decent quality for the price. And if it doesn't fit, you can return it to Amazon within like a really, really large window with like pretty much no questions asked and like no cost to you. A lot of people have like, 
when they're not wanting to make something or don't have the skill to make something yet. A lot of like the old cosmetic companies, you can only purchase from like places like over in China. And so like you buy it and you have to wait like a month to like six weeks to like receive the costume. And then like if it doesn't fit, you have to go through like a whole rigmarole with them of like sending it back. But then you have to pay for the postage back to China or like they'll be like they like will argue with you over like the reason that you want to send it back. Like, well, you just didn't like it, but like it's exactly what you ordered. Well, then we won't take it. And like that's like it's just a lot to go through. So it's like Amazon, like for a lot of some of the costumes, like you can literally get the costume you want same day, next day, like one day, have it, try it on wear it a few times, ruminate with it and still send it back in like 30 days, which is like nice because also like I'm a super impulsive person. So like you might be like ruminating over it and feeling really, really nervous and like, what do I do? But like sometimes we just have these moments of like motivation, like I just want to go for it. But like that can be like short lived, right? So if you're having like an I just want to go for it moment, but then like the steps it takes to actually get that going takes like two months, like you can have lost that, right? But like, if you're like, I want to go for it and like you order something and it arrives like the next day, like you can just start. And I feel like that really helps like you just get started because like once you've done it once, it just doesn't seem as daunting and as hard. I feel like the barrier for a lot of hobbies is really just the purchase of materials and getting started like the first go around. Like a lot of people do a lot of like watching on YouTube and reading and listening about like people who do it and watching people do it and how you do it and like the best tips for doing it. But like it's hard to like actually push yourself to like just start. So if you can just get the one costume going and like not for like a huge like investment, then it's a lot easier to go from there. And that I think really applies to a lot of things because I, I know I have like a side project right now where I've done everything like you were talking about. I've watched the YouTube. I've done the reading. I, I will research things like into the ground. <laughs> but now I'm kind of like, I've, I've done all my research. I've done all that stuff. And I'm just standing there kind of like, oh, now it's time to do the thing. What do I do? Mm -hmm. I'm too scared. <laughs> but you know, I mean, that's actually like really good advice as far as I would say then like you're recommending also kind of against is like, don't make your first cosplay. So yeah, I don't think you have to. Like if you're already somebody that likes to sew, like if you are someone that already can sew, right? And like you want to try doing a cosplay, like and that's something like, but I think that's like an, if you don't already do that, that's an additional hurdle for you to get over as uh, learning to sew and everything like that. I would say like just buy a simple cosplay that you can wear and see how that feels and like get into the costume and like sometimes there's like especially as like adults we have a bit of a like even as big of nerds as we are like every time I had like a moment where it's like hey I'm in a costume not on Halloween is this a little bit silly you know and like I'd have to give my moment myself to get a moment over that right and if you just have it and then if you want to and you want to get into sewing I actually had a few cosplays that I ordered and I eventually got a sewing machine and I altered them I learned to alter cosplays before I learned to make them from scratch. So I just learned to make small changes to make them fit me just a little bit better before learning how to like actually like put something together on my own. And so I've like slowly started building like and instead of building a, a whole cosplay, I've started like building accessories. So like buying certain pieces and then building other things. So like I did a cosplay for it's not on my Instagram because it's an older one, but Overhaul from My Hero Academia. And okay. I, he has like a plague doctor mask that he wears. And we like looked around to like buy one. And like the ones that you could buy were like 50 bucks and they were like kind of okay quality. And we just decided like this would be a good this time as any to learn how to work with foam. 
So we made it. And it's actually quite fantastic. And one of my favorite like pieces that I've ever made. <laughs> and like from that, like now we have like a heat gun, we have extra foam and we have paint and we have that experience. So like every time you go to make something, there's a little bit less of a cost because you already have like, I don't have to buy another heat gun or another glue, hot glue gun. I already have those things, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like a little bit out of time and rather, so you won't feel like, oh, if I want to do cosplay, I need to have like a sewing machine and a seam ripper and a 3D printer and a hot glue gun and a heat gun. And like, that's a lot to start off with. So it's like little projects here and there really help you feel like maybe I just want to make like the staff of a character that I like. And then you can learn how to make that and then you'll have that and you'll feel like, okay, now I know how to do that. Cool. And it's like not hard anymore. So that resonates with me a lot because when I cosplayed one of my one of my Warriors of Light back in, I have lots of alts. When I cosplayed <laughs> one of my Warriors of Light back in 20, was it the 2019 or was it 2018 Fan Fest? I cannot remember. 2019. 2019. I had this had the Songbird outfit and I had the Butler outfit because they won't give us that in real life. Oh, wait, they are actually. Sorry, I take that back, Square Enix. I didn't mean to shade you. But <laughs> what you said earlier about having to source all those different pieces for Yoru's outfit, that was the hurdle I encountered with cosplaying my character Lulu, was that I had to source all of these different pieces from different places, and then the main outfits came in from China, and they were too big for me. And I was like, hey, you sent me one that's clearly too big and not the size that I asked for. And they were just like, oh, but it is what you asked for. And I'm just like, no, it isn't, though. Mm-hmm. So I encountered that exact same problem. So like the advice of just order it off of Amazon kind of like refreshes my soul and makes me feel like maybe next time I don't have to fuck about with it quite mm-hmm. so much. Yeah, because I feel like experiences like that, like if you're like just starting out and like you already have a bad experience and you're just like, it's hard. This is too hard. This is too much. Like, so like trying to like streamline your initial experience as much as possible, like really lowers as a barrier of entry. Cause like then if you want to like go in and like learn, like now, like sometimes I'll go into like finding like more obscure places to get something from that maybe like their websites aren't great, but like, I know I've heard from other cosplayers that they make good stuff and like things like that. Whereas like when I didn't have any knowledge of my own, it would just be too much to like sift through. Like now I can do that where like, if you just get everything, it arrives, you feel good about it, you're happy with how it turned out, then you're like more like gung-ho to like try again. Let's try this next time, you know? And you can make small baby steps to like improving things. And like eventually you'll just be like, wow, this is so much better. And like sometimes you can go back. I've gone back and like changed cosplays I did in the past and redone them after like gaining a little bit more insight into certain parts of it. And like just improved it so like you don't have to think that like the one time you did it is the only time that you'll have a chance it doesn't have to be the best the first time i love that advice right me too because like there is like a little bit of contention in the cosplay community sometimes especially about like oh your outfit doesn't look quite right this isn't quite right and a lot of people see that and they see that first and foremost prominently rather than everybody having a really good fuck about together and enjoying the costumes like you said earlier sharing costumes around with each other and having fun in cosplay paying homage to your um, your favorite characters they see the bitterness and stuff first and foremost and I think that's kind of like another hurdle for people to overcome I mean I know I felt self-conscious about it when I went to FanFest like oh are people gonna be looking at me like I'm some kind of cosplay plebe because my accessories aren't quite right and I made them with warbler and I'm terrible with it What's interesting is I feel like people that actually cosplay are a lot 
generally speaking, not as critical of other people about cosplay because they know the cost and the work and the time that goes into it. Whereas like fans of cosplay are more willing to just kind of like throw out constructive criticism and sometimes Mm. also constructive because they don't think about it. Uh, A lot of times I make creative decisions with my cosplay, with my characters, right? I already cosplay a lot of characters that don't share the same skin tone as me. And so I make other creative things, like I change their hair texture and things like that, or hair color entirely. And I do that for characters that I feel like their hair color isn't necessarily the the call of the character. Right. There are characters whose outfits are like, like I don't know, uh, let's think like My Hero Academia. They all wear the same uniform. So you really need to rely on like their hairstyle to like recognize who they are. Cause obviously physically you probably don't look like that anime character. Let's be real. So like if your hair isn't right, like we can't tell, or like um, attack on Titan characters, all the same uniform. And they're not even like super like heavily stylized. They're all very like, as like human looking as anime characters tend to come brown hair, blonde hair, black hair, you know? So like the hairstyle is really important for someone to know which character you're trying to be. But like some characters, the outfit, their clothing is like really what you know them by, right? And if you change their hairstyle, no one's going to be like, can't tell who you are anymore. Like, it's like, we know, we know who you are. But people will be like, I feel like you didn't finish the cosplay because you didn't do the hair color. And you're like, actually, it's what I find funny like that. Someone's like, oh, you didn't finish it. And you've taken photos of it and you put it on social media or in the case of cons, like, oh, we didn't finish it, but you put it on. you put all the work to put it on, come out here, pay tickets and hotel and fee to come out here and walk around in it. And it's like, do you think that I don't know what color their hair actually is after I've spent all this time and money to make this costume, right? And like, come here and put it on. Like, obviously, I know also what color their hair is. I get that a lot with Zelda. They're just like, oh, you didn't finish it because her hair's not blonde. And I'm like, what? Zelda's hair is blonde? Where? When? Since when? Like, obviously, (laughs) I I know that. But (laughs) so it's like, I know that. But like, if you want to make a cosplay, but like you don't have the skill or the time or the money to make the weapon to go with it, for example, right? Or the headpiece, but you can make like the dress and like the shoes or like a lot of times with the shoes, shoes tend to be unrealistically complex in fantasy cosplay. So you might do the whole outfit, but then you'll just wear like regular knee-high black boots without all of the crazy embellishments. And someone's like, you didn't finish the shoes. You're like, I can't make the shoes. I don't have the skill yet or the money to make the shoes. But doesn't everything else look great? It's like, I feel like most cosplayers are like, it's fine, like make what you can, put together what you can. And I think it's no fun to nitpick at like, well, you didn't do this. I've had people be like, your ears are too long to be Zelda. And it's like, that's what we're doing? The ears? Too long? (laughs) So I like really encourage people. I'm like, if you you want to dress up as half the outfit and say that that's the cosplay of the character, then it is. That's fine. Like, it's just your creative interpretation of that character. I know some people tend to feel like you're like, oh, it's against like the original artist like vision you're like no like i'm not necessarily like there are cosplayers that work really really hard and kudos to them to making almost exact replicas of these animated characters and it's amazing to see like down to the accessories but like it's just an homage as well anyone dressing up as a character is an homage in their own way shape or form i don't think anyone that spends the time and money to dress up as a character is doing it to slander the original version. I definitely don't think that that's anybody's intention. They're just being like, I love this character and I tried. So that is, that's good enough for me. 
Yeah, I've always gotten the impression that, like, I don't know, and granted, a lot of what I've known about cosplay I've seen from different shows on TV, which are probably not the best representation, but it always seemed like, oh, you have to make your own costume, you have to do all of this, and I'm just like, wow, I can't do that. (laughs) I don't even know where to begin with that. So that is really actually very encouraging to hear as far as, you know, just get a costume and get out there and have fun. Yeah, like... Really, just have fun. Like, put it on, get the wig. If you don't know how to style it, it's fine. And then, like, if you feel like you really like it and, like, enough to, like, put the investment into the time to, like, learn how to do other things, like, that's totally up to you. But I don't think that if, like, someone isn't willing or able to, like, put, like, the time and skill into, like, learning how to sew and learning how to craft armor from scratch and learning how to, like, make their own ears and appendages and maybe they don't want to wear contacts because it messes with their eyes and they really and they wear glasses like I don't think that that means that person shouldn't be allowed to just buy a costume put it on and participate in the fun like that seems silly absolutely (laughs) yeah no and that's one thing I know a lot of people have been talking about lately is like the whole idea of gatekeeping especially within different different um like sub communities within I guess the greater (laughs) greater kingdom of nerdum or something like that you always hear in like one community, it's like, oh, well, you know, we're gatekeeping from these people. We don't want more people here. We don't want more people unless you're going to actually really put in the effort to do everything we think that you should do. Um, and there was actually even that conversation, like probably back in July in regards to 14, as far as, you know, the 14 players being afraid of new people coming into our community, like, oh, they're just going to. We had this lovely community and they're going to come in and they're going to just like leave mud on the carpet and it'll be horrible. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, it was it was really interesting. Like some of the responses in the comments, it's like, wow, okay, somebody just, needs to take a coffee break. It's just like, just stop, get you some Aquanet, get you a cheap wig and just give it a go. Just And if it screws up if you can't do it or you need to practice just you know stick it on like a mannequin head and keep trying yeah nobody's going to think any less of you for it especially if you're just parading it around in your own home just to give it a go i mean and what is it the master yoda says like i can't fucking remember the exact words but he's just like you know just try do it or yeah do or do not there is no try i earned my nerd badge for today thank you Seriously, though, because like everyone starts from somewhere like I don't know if y'all are familiar with Kamui cosplay, but she's even shown like the stuff that she first started with. And she's just like, nope, it's embarrassing for me now. And it's like, but like, how are you going to learn? Like if you th- if you're looking at like cosplayers that are, like are doing amazing work and thinking like the first time you cosplay, you're going to achieve that. That is unrealistic. Like that's what they've just like artists don't really appreciate being told like, oh, you're so talented. It's like, thank you. But also I've spent years and time like honing this skill yeah to do this right like to be able to be here i didn't just like wake up and put a pen to paper and was like voila like so it's (laughs) like like you pay them for all of the time they took to learn how to make this thing for you right so like cosplayers or anyone in any skill are the same way so if you never try it like how are you going to get there obviously like some people are going to have an easier time with certain things and others you might find that you have more of affinity for sewing than you do for armor or vice versa. Or like for me, my skill really lies in wig styling and makeup. So like I focus less on customizing my costume as so much as making sure that the hair looks like it's somehow growing off of my head. 
regardless of the color. So I find it funny when right when you mention <clears throat> her name, the first thing that pops in my head is buy my books. Buy my books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> her books are really, really good. <laughs> I've got digital copies of them. So Okay, so we're gonna shift gears just a little bit because it is Endwalker Eve. So it would not be right if we did the podcast and didn't talk about Endwalker. <laughs> We've all been playing the game for, you know, varying amounts of time. I played a little bit in 1.0, got lost in Gridania, and then quit. <laughs> Anki, you came in a few years ago. So, but in that time, we've all experienced the story at different paces. And I think as a result, we've all kind of developed different ideas as far as what we're expecting in Endwalker, in this finale, um, different, you know, conspiracy theories, if you will. So, Jahara... Give us one of yours. So since you've kind of, you've experienced the whole of the story and a little bit more in a condensed space than some of the rest of us. I, gosh, I don't really know how to say this. And I'm sure it's like a really like widely accepted conspiracy theory. So like, I'm not going to feel like I'm saying something like, or everyone's going to be like, le gasp. But like, I 100% think that like Heidelin isn't good. Um, I don't sus. think Heidelin is good. Um <laughs> Absolutely sus. Like, seriously sus, yeah. That's one of our favorites. <laughs> Heidelin is actually the big bad. And I'm just like, she keeps she keeps calling me up and saying, here, feel, think, and it's got that live, laugh, love energy to it. And that I'm like, <laughs> immediately feral, like, get away from me, woman. Absolutely not. Because I'm, I'm just like, you know what? When you like really get down to it and they talk about all of the bad things that Zodiac apparently did, right? I was like, like low-key Heidelin did the same stuff. Like, who told her that she could just straight up take Manphilia and like make her her body? No. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that. <laughs> and, did any of us like that? None of us like that. Like everyone. They even showed <laughs> it on the patch art. Uh, gears of change. Hydlin is behind Manphilia with chains. So, and they right. did that on purpose. So it's exactly pretty good, pretty good because point. it's so cool to think about because what the game got me thinking about is like. The Asians view, or at least half of them, viewed Zodiac as like, you know, all knowing and good. But that's just because like they believe that they believe like he's their god and they believe that. And so it had me questioning like the idea of faith, wherein like throughout history and throughout lore and no matter what culture you're in, gods do things that are morally, if you're talking like not a god doing it, but morally like kind of like crappy things to do, like bad things. However, because we or whoever is actually like worshiping said god, we're just like, it's good because they know what they're doing. It's for the grand plan. It's for the greater good. And we can't question the thing, even if the thing makes us feel sad, right? And yeah. so it's like, well, yeah. we were like, Heidelin took Menphilia. And like Menphilia is like dead now, more from, like to be like not mincing words. And we're just supposed to be like, that's good. Love that. That's part that's of the what, plan. Yeah, mm -hmm, yeah. Part of the plan. And, yep. We don't know what, what we do. There's a whole feeling also when like she was talking to Rain in that one scene at the end of Shadowbringers where she's like, it's your choice. But side whisper, you should really just choose to be independent. You don't want, you don't want this. Right. But it's like, your choice. <laughs> and knowing right, like, what we know about tempering now, is mm -hmm. it faith or is it just tempering? We're just, we're all worshiping Highland because we got tempered. Right. Also, like, no, not Loki to get too deep, but I was like, man, this game makes me wonder, like, is it tempering or is it faith? And I'm like, are they different? <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> <Just> like... <laughs> I hate that. 
<laughs> now that's in my head, you voiced that into the world. Mind I hate explosion. It. Yeah. Square Enix is pretty good with some philosophy-based uh, games, and they've, they're pretty good at making you ask questions all the time. Right, so I fell in love with it. So it just it even comes with like some things where I feel like they've been peppering it in where like Ishtola talks to like Meryl Whip, right? Um, throughout the story about like what Limsa has done to the beast tribes in their area and like why. And Meryl Whip has been like, well, because we are the owners of this land. And Ishtola's like, nah, trick. They were there first. <laughs> so like, what are you doing? Like, like, so what's your reason? Well, because we're better. Says who? Says us. There you go. Says you. You know, <laughs> if, if you ask them, you're monsters. And like all of that was like scrambling my brains. I was like, Ishtola, you're hurting my brain. Please stop. Like, was, are we the bad was, that guys? That was a really good, that was a really good uh, discussion piece. Right? So like all of that comes together and it's like, well, because like, we worship Heidelin and Heidelin is like the, the mother crystal and she doesn't lead us astray and we do what she wants to do. But like Heidelin almost like seems to like have like, we can then say that Heidelin's love is selective. So like she loves us more than she loves the beast tribes. Does she ever really say that? We said that, I guess. So like, there's like all of these things where I'm just like, I don't know. I feel like Heidelin's not good. I feel like there's going to be like a big bat. I don't think Zodiac is good either necessarily i really feel like they're trying to drive home this idea that we have actually been living under a lack of balance and that balance is what needs to come and like literally the world as we know it just completely needs to just be shifted like what it was with the ancients is not good with zodiac and what we have here with heidelin is not good either and we're gonna have to find something where both of them have to be abolished for us to continue and i don't know what that's gonna look like besides the moon the moon's gonna be there <laughs> <laughs> it's haunted yep. Okay, so Tilp, you're next. Give us a crackpot theory. Oh no. It's gonna have to come back to me later because like there's way too much to choose from. Okay, so Crow Inky, who wants to go next? Uh I mean I like to subscribe to your theory, Dylan, that the Garleans are all pod people. <laughs> like, they are <laughs> pod people. They are soulless pod people. I also think that Lalafell like were grown in Allegan Labs because like no. when, if you do fishing, oh, no. if you do fishing, Crow <laughs> knows exactly what I'm talking about. There's, you can fish out in the pools in Azizlaw, a, I think it's on the command ship somewhere. You can fish out a wriggling mass covered in tiny Lalafellin limbs. I don't like that. And I don't like that my origin story basically makes my fucking character out to be like an Allegan mass, but okay. Like, I think that might be a thing. I think the Allegans might have grown a lot of people. <laughs> well, did, did Mach come before or after the Allegans? Mach is after the Allegans. Okay, okay, so it is possible. Because I was going to say, like, Shantoso right. was like, the, she's Lalafell. Okay, wait, never mind. <laughs> so yeah, I think Lalafell might have been grown rather than just kind of like ending up naturally via evolution or whatever. So uh, yeah, that, <laughs> you're welcome for that gross tidbit, by the way. I hate That it. is really gross. Thank you. I, I'm going to- brain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, my character is no longer eating fish for fear of it growing Lalafell limbs. I did say I was here to cause problems on purpose and I have done that yeah. today. This is great. Yeah, I'm yeah. fine. I fulfilled my purpose. Crowa, you're next. Please don't. No body horror. <laughs> you're good. Uh, so I've actually been doing a lot of research the past couple of days, and uh, it came to my attention. There's a lot of heavy references to the Charleans going really, really hard at studying the nature of the Mother Crystal in Heidelin. And so 
it kind of leads me to think that they're definitely hiding something. <laughs> they got some information that they don't want to give to us, especially with how there's there's groups in the forums that the the leading governmental body there are actively attempting to keep their knowledge away from the rest of the world because that's a, an ongoing thing. I, I feel like there's just some really big secret, like the final piece of the puzzle, basically. I mean, the astrologian quests show them out straight out. up trying to murder people, don't they? Like, yeah. they will murder you if you if escape you with their knowledge. Want, yeah. It's there's, crazy. There's, a, there's the whole thing, like, at the end of, um, which one is, dungeon is it? Is Academia Nighter or the other one? Where it has, like, the, uh, the swirl of death that sculpture at the end like I, it's the one That's with academia uh, nighter uh, okay yeah. yeah so look nighter. at that and then look at the aetherite in old charlotte yeah everyone it's everyone's the same. making spiral <laughs> references it's, it's, it cracks me up because you know fibonacci sequence and, and the nautilus shell it's like it's classic like because it, it's you know it's mathematical it, in geometry and stuff like that they use the shape of the nautilus shell because it's it's the perfect I, and correct me if i'm wrong Last time I I watched something about this, some documentary, it said it said it's a that perfect framing device. Yeah, the Nautilus shell is basically a perfect Fibonacci sequence. Like the way it's grown, it's like each or each part of it is like a, a ratio of the original piece, and it, it's gonna forever just grow in that cycle. So it's like really it's natural math basically. And so you see that, and then you see it all over the place, and you're just like, what are they doing? Like. <laughs> Well, and that could be like the theme of the whole story. I mean, outside of platinum, because like if you think about everything that's going on with the primals and the Asians and you know the calamities, like it keeps on escalating exponentially. And you know, like Jahara said, it's like you know there has to be a balance at some point, otherwise it's all going to implode. Right. I mean, we're basically repeating the final days, but with Heidelin instead. And what's interesting about Old Sarlian, when I went there for the media tour, I was just really interested by the fact that there were so many NPCs that were carting around crystals. I've never seen any other city that was like that. So I was now just like... that's interesting. Nice. Yeah, they're like pushing that around like they're basically like the hub for crystals. So, and I was like, one thing that probably nobody else cared about but me was that Old Sarlian has that big nautical um, aetherite. And then when you go to the port city for um, right before Razadhan, they also have that same nautical aetherite. So it made me feel like there was trade between the two. But when you get closer to Razadhan, Razadhan, there's like a small little like jungle town that has a regular aetherite. So it doesn't have the nautical one. And then there's big, huge walls that literally go from one mountain to another mountain that block off Razadhan from the rest. And I'm like wondering, I'm like, so like, what's the relationship here? If there's like, if you have to go through like this essentially like Great Wall of China to get into Razadhan, like, are we, are they not welcoming people from the other side of the wall? Like, I was really curious about that. Hmm. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's a uh, get the fuck out to the uh, Charlene's. Like, that's my conspiracy theory, allegedly. Maybe that was a big old like, no, we don't want you here, leave. Right. Well, I mean, they are like the, I think the originators of alchemy. So like if they were doing some sort of trade thing, it could be they have some sort of alchemical technique that they don't want the Charlians to have. Because the Charlians, you know, they would take that and they'd be like, okay, bye. Right. They'd be like, we made this. It's ours. <laughs> if you approved, it's that it's, one meme. I made the this. the Aetherite. <laughs> Takes away the Philosopher's Stone. I made this. What? 
<laughs> oh so, my. So, Tilt, do you want to go? <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't really have any crackpot theories other than that we've been just taking a very long nap since the uh, end of 1.0 when Dolomud fall from the sky. <laughs> <laughs> You think we're all pod people with wow. stuck that in cryopods or asleep? Be... No, it's it's all just a dream. Because like the thing that really sparked this one was the fact that they re-uploaded the 1.0 trailer. And it just seems a little weird to me that they would do something like that. I do understand that they're just trying to close this chapter that's been brewing since 1.0. But like the main thing of that was a foresight in that little snippet touches a leaf card and he gets transported in front of Marlboro. Then all of a sudden the Garleans come evading and he gets taken because some little pod person's chimney stack crash landing <laughs> right on there. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you know, we've got Midgar Somer just gonna nuclear on everything. And then here's the part that really like I've always paid attention to this and question why. As Midgar Somer had shot broke the aether current right there in silver lake tier or silver tier lake silver tier lake yeah if you noticed all of a sudden all these things appear and the first one that you can make out is ifrit and it he's just shoots straight out and then the next one is titan it's like i thought these guys were conjured by the wishes of their you know worshippers and tribes yeah and there's hundreds of them too that like goes shooting off yeah, and it's just like one of those weird, like, well, what, what, why, why did that happen? And then you know, obviously, it comes to an end as you know he gets blasted by that green light, and he comes back to at the pub, kind of in a dead sweat, panting, like, "Oh, hey, you finally came back too. So, what are we gonna do?" And he's like sitting there shaking, like as if that was all transpiring real. So I'm just wondering, what if this is actually just a dream? Hmm. Interesting. That made me think of something else too. All of the Ifruits popped out because you get thrown into the duty finder with him 100 million times because there's always some sprout <laughs> somewhere that makes you do it. I mean, we've only battled him, what, five uh, times? Along with Titan. Oh my goodness. I'm so kidding, though. Do you want the extended pod person theory or do I have to come up with a new one? <laughs> pod, pe- pod people theory 2.0. Oh, this is the extended, yeah, pod person theory. So, Jahara, um, if you haven't heard us before and haven't heard me talk about my prod person theory, I believe that all pureblood Garleans are essentially soulless pod people. <laughs> and they were created or grown or, you know, originated by somehow by the Amartines Asians, essentially to be the host of the Asian souls once they achieve the Ardor. Because, you know, they're disembodied spirits right now. Mm-hmm. And if they do, you know, the Asians do fix the world as far as, you know, to them fix it. This is, they have nothing to put these people into. And they've already shown throughout the game, like, you know, think about how we got back or how we brought the Scions back from the first. We put them into a crystal. We put them into a vessel. The Asians also are constantly jumping into people's bodies. So this is, you know, something that's definitely very possible. So, yeah, I mean, with that in mind, I think that they would have like a plan to have, you know, essentially host bodies for all of these souls. Uh, I kind of further support that by like Mirror Lamentorum when they show the screenshots of the pictures of where uh, the Warrior of Light is inside that one building. There's all of those like perfect crystals kind of like on the walls. 
um, mm-hmm. almost like a crystal library. And that what it really reminded me of was um, like the matrix where you see all of the people in those pods. And I'm like, I bet you that's actually housing the souls, uh, the spirits of some of the Amortains. That's how they saved them. They basically stored them on the moon. So that is my pod person th- theory. Oh, I'm incredible. I was gonna say the fact that they can't use aether and aether no. is supposedly like the the essential part of being a living person, and you know that kind of seems weird. That's true. It's like why can't they? Also, like a big like hallmark in like terms of all sci-fi and things like that when it comes to like making like robots or like clones, is we tend to like mark them with something to let you know that like even though this thing looks human, it's not, and like that would be like a reason for like why all Garleans have like the little third eye on their head it's just like the one little signifier that this is different than everything else in some way yeah Nia um, Nia has exactly the same plot device and I'm just saying Yoko Taro has worked with him so I'm like (laughs) maybe (laughs) yeah well and it's also kind of like you know they did a little bit of that in Final Fantasy 9 there was also the Lunarians um, from I think was it 4 or something like that where they actually had a raised crescent moon kind of um growth on their forehead so if the Amortunes were actually like Lunarians had that kind of form on their forehead then like you were saying differentiating them you know give them a full moon hmm gosh darn it I mean I I got it I I got her convinced she's on she's on I I am on board I am on board with that because I'm just like why can't they use ether like they already we already know that Emmett made the Garlean society but like maybe he made them in a much more literal way than we are thinking when he said he made the Garlean society and this is not what people were uh, expecting when people were calling him daddy I'm just gonna say that (laughs) right right now (laughs) (laughs) oh that went dark but like one thing like in some of the the lore books they actually make note that specifically like even forest creatures can use aether you know, the Nutkins can use Aether. And if the Nutkins can use Aether, then the Garleans should be able to use Aether. Right. Like, why can't they? they? So I, I hope to have the pod person question resolved with the expect. Otherwise, you guys are going to be hearing about this for at least two more years. Wait, but do they know? <laughs> no. They no. don't know. I don't think, no, I don't think the Garleans. I think possibly Xenos may know now, or at least have a suspicion. I, I imagine that. If it, the pod person thing is true, that Fan Daniel maybe shared some of that information, and maybe that's just why Xenos is like, you know what? Kill them all. <laughs> We're just going to mow them all over because if I'm not real, I don't care about the rest of you all. I just want to basically kill the Warrior of Light, kill a Zodiac, kill Heidel, and call it a day, sit on the moon, and, you know, sip a Mai Tai. He's like, if life isn't real, then it's a party. So Pretty I'm going to go out how I want to go out. Does anyone have a theory for like what Fan Daniel's freaking doing? Because like I don't get that guy. Because like there's like this part in the trailer, right? When they zoom in on Xenos, like up on his tower, and Fan Daniel's like looking at him. And I watched this trailer in like triple slow motion. And Fan Daniel makes like for like half a second, he scowls at Xenos. Like his face is pretty neutral for the whole time, but then he scowls for like a second. And like as far as we've seen, he's like just been very like Yes, Xenos, of course, Xenos. But at this end of the day, like, I don't even know what he needs Xenos for. Like, he's pretty much running the, she's doing all the things. He's bringing all the creatures. He's got the powers. So, like, 
I, besides him just being like, I want everything to die. I'm like, I feel like there's more to it than that. Like, what's the deal here, Van Daniel? Xenos might be a rogue element that he wants to control. Hmm. Because, I mean, if, if you think about it, there's two people that could really fuck this scheme of his up. One of them is the wall. And then the other one is probably Xenos, if you think about it. That's true. I do wonder if an element of his body, like, I can't remember the, the, the book series, but there was like a book series done by the infamous uh, Stephanie Meyer where like, an- like aliens like took over human beings and whenever they would take us over, like our like essence would disappear or like souls. But then like there were some humans where like, which was essentially unheard of. The book is about one where like her soul is so strong that it like stays and like cohabitates with the alien soul in the body. And like, I wonder if like a little bit of uh, uh, the and, host. Yeah, like yeah. the host. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. But like, I wonder if like a little bit of the personality of the, pre- if the previous host for Grand <clears throat> Daniel's body like lingers and if he's like still somehow like against his will or even against his own knowledge, like devoted to Xenos in some way because of that. Because that guy loved him so much. Jerk. Asahi, yes. He with the punchable face. <laughs> the most I have a little git. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. I have a theory, but I'll let everybody else go first if anybody else has more theories. No, nope, I don't have any more. No, go ahead. Okay. I am I'm the queen of like the tinfoil hat theories. Alrighty. Um, I think that Fan Daniel, basically his deal is, especially with Xenos, is I think that he's kind of urging Xenos on and actually helping to feed his, some of his worst tendencies. And through that, through essentially kind of enslaving some of the beast tribes and actually having them summon the primals and also have Xenos um, essentially like kill a bunch of people. I think he's probably collecting Aether and is going to use that Aether towards some end. My kind of theory with that is whatever ship that they're riding around in, I kind of suspect that there is some sort of mechanism in that with enough Aether, you can actually dominate a primal, kind of like how Xenos did with um, Shinryu at the end of Stormblood. So he kind of like, you know, Xenos took control of Shinryu which is craziness and unheard of. And, you know, that was kind of the first inklings I think we got as far as what they were ultimately going to do with Summoner. Because Summoner now is is going to get to actually summon Ifrit, which is craziness. So with the ship that they're riding around on, I think the kind of the end game goal is to gather enough Aether to ultimately summon Hydaelyn, summon Zodiac, and then basically take control of them. Because think if you could actually, if you took control of one of those, or you could take control of like Bahamut, that's pretty crazy. If you could take control of like the most elder of primals, the both of them, you could do anything you wanted. That would be probably scary. force the rejoining. Mm. Just te- mm. temporary everybody, and everybody's just like, "Yeah, sure, go ahead, merge all the worlds. We'll lose our individuality, but that's okay because we love Mummy Hydaelyn and Daddy Zodiac." <laughs> yeah. Now I think that's going to be. I think that they're going to. They have this kind of geared up to be like all about Hydaelyn, all about Zodiac. 
And I think at the end, you know, we're, we're going to get to fight, you know, one or both of them. But there is always every Final Fantasy title. There is always whoever you thought was the end boss. There's the guy after them. There's always that other end boss. The biggest fish to fry. I'm so excited. <laughs> and it's usually somebody who basically it's whatever that end boss is. It's usually generated by some sort of like mortal hubris or something like that and nobody represents all of that better than fan daniel to me i mean he is willing i mean as he's shown in this short time and even you know um asahi willing to do anything in order to achieve a certain end i think it's also interesting that for the final boss to not be like a pure blood asian but someone that had was um, I forgot what I forget what they call them when they weren't when, uh yes thundered. So one that's like knows the story and is supposed to have received that information and been like, yes, we will cause a rejoining. We will bring back society as we knew it. But to hear that story and be like, nah, not that. I'm gonna do this instead because like he's combined with essentially an Asian and a thundered human, right? Or being right and like put together and it's like the combination of these two that like rejects the ideals of both of these parties interesting and that's actually that is also further interesting and could be supported by like if you've done the save the queen storyline there's that one the rogadin um female character that's kind of what yeah that's what she basically was about she's like I was, yeah, I, the reason I'm not fighting for liberation of Aja is because you treated me and my people like crap. So whatever this glory, gloriful, like, you know, kingdom that you want to reclaim, it wasn't that way for me. So I'm going to do something different. <laughs> could also be that some people, you know, the old adage, some people just want to watch the world burn. And it could be that Fan Daniel just wants to, just wants to ruin everything for everyone. I mean, I wouldn't put it past him. I think that's the impression that he's giving, but I think that's a misdirection. I mean, it would Probably. be interesting. I think I would have a hard time because, like, what... I mean, if you're sundered, right? And basically what they're saying is, like, you are an incomplete person. You are imperfect. You are less than what you could be, right? Like, I take that a little bit personally, right? But then it's like, but, like this is the person that you were or like the things that we used to have and it was amazing and it was ideal. And like, I feel, I felt very torn, like learning Emmett's story. And like, I was very sad that like, it was like his civilization versus ours. And I wish I could do both. But if I was literally a person that was half of each of each of those things, I'd be like, you know what? I got this. This is very mentally damaging. And you know what? None of you get anything. None. We're done. <laughs> yeah. Take my toys and going home. <laughs> <laughs> we will get to find out more tomorrow. Yes. We will at like 2 a.m. I'm not getting up at that we time. We have I'm nine sorry. hours. Oh, well, I'm going to be up and I'm going to be throwing myself against the server and probably not getting in. I'm not going to. I hate the queue times. It's just like there are 1600 million billion people in queue before you. And I'm just like, you know, I'm just going to go back to bed. I have a plan that, yeah, either I'm going to go back to bed and take a nap or I'm going to, like, watch Advent Children and Kingsglaive and all of the Final Fantasy-related movies. Because I'm a super fan. (laughs) (laughs) And I own it. 
Get a cut on my Moogle. <laughs> not going to watch Spirits Within. No, we're not going to count that one. <laughs> now you want to talk about redheaded stepchildren. That is the one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Isn't that uh, also... Jahara mentioned earlier about, like, uh, did you say Stephanie Meyer wrote it? Because if, if, if you said Stephanie Meyer, like, I'm not even remotely shocked. I did. Yeah, I did. Talk, talking mm -hmm. about aliens inhabiting people. Isn't that exactly what happens in Spirits Within? Like they're infested by some weird parasite thing or something. Yeah. I can't remember. Actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> think... Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh no. I didn't think about, oh my goodness, Inky, you just, you unlocked everything. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much. Now I hate it. <laughs> I've, I've done my job. <laughs> Whoops. Oof. But that uh, that looks like that's it for us today. I think we have uh, we have exhausted our line of questioning, and uh, I think everybody wants to go to bed and get up early for Endwalkers. Apart from me, being the lazy git that I am, I'm actually going to probably be editing this and not playing the game for once. Self <laughs> selfless, selfless. I'm not playing MSQ till Sunday. I will try to keep all of my guests. Oh my goodness. You know what happened to myself, except for Anki, because I like to torture her. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you spoil it. I have to wait until my husband gets home so I can play it. And it's just like, you know what? That's not too bad. I'll just level Sage. You know, I won't do that. I'm, I'll be nice. You won't. You'll be nice. Yeah. Alrighty. So with that, thank you everybody who watched live. Um, and then especially everybody who is going to listen to the recording later. So we appreciate all of you. And we hope that everybody has a great time in the expansion whenever you get to play. I, you know, best wishes for logging in and stability. Because <laughs> that's wishes. all we can really ask for. So any final words from anybody else? Have fun. <laughs> I'm <Going> hungry. <laughs> Drink water. <clears throat> Yeah, water is very important. So, uh, Jahar, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitch, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and even YouTube, all under Jahara Jade. Jade with a Y. <laughs> I'll be live to tomorrow at 6 p.m. <laughs> no problem. I'll be live tomorrow uh, leveling a Reaper at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. No, Mountain Standard Time. So, that's what I'll be doing. Avoiding MSQ. <laughs> Uh, so no spoiling it for her. So, Inky, outro gag. It's you, because I don't understand it. <laughs> yeah, outro gag? You want an outro gag? Okay, so watch the trailer for Endwalker, get gagged, and then go and get hyped for Endwalker instead. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yes, really! I was so anticlimactic! It's my outro gag, I'll do what I want! I was expecting something to be like, oh, and always beware, the moon is haunted. Everybody <laughs> knows the moon is haunted, we've, we've done that joke to death. It's the backdrop. It's the backdrop you, do you of this stream. The backdrop that I made. It's the moon, <laughs> and I put on there. I'm haunted. Get out! I, I quit. I'm going home. Goodbye. <laughs> okay, now that Inky's quit, we're going to call this to a close. So thank you everybody for joining us again, and we'll see you next time. Until then, bye. Leaders. Yeah.